Well, let's open with a word of prayer and we'll dig into the word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We ask you, Lord, now as we go to your word that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your Spirit would say to us. Again, I want to pray for anybody who's new here today, that they would feel welcomed and loved. If anybody here doesn't know you, we pray that today would be the day of salvation. We pray, Lord, for those that are here that are going through times of difficulty, may you comfort them. We pray for those that are here who have children who are away from you right now, prodigal sons and daughters. We pray you draw them back into yourself. We pray for those who are here whose marriages are going through a time of difficulty. May you bring restoration to their marriages. We pray, Lord, uh, again, for those with health issues, whatever people may be going through, for your hand, your touch. Help us, Lord, as we look at your word to abide in you, to rest in you, to trust in you to walk with you, to be the men and women of God you've called us to be. So be our teacher this morning, we pray. May man decrease, that your spirit would increase, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. amen. So John's been dealing with false doctrine in the early church. This is John, the apostle whom Jesus loved. He called himself the apostle whom Jesus loved. Some thought he was saying that because he was arrogant. I believe it was because he was blown away by the fact that Jesus loved him so much. And you know what? That should be true of all of us. Amen? We should be reminded and we should be blown away by how much the Lord loves us. That specific group at that time was called the Gnostics. And they came in and they said, oh, we've got a better message. I know you've been studying the, the, the teachings of Jesus, but we've got a new revelation and you need to come and listen to us. And that's what every cult says. There's nothing new under the sun. Somebody somewhere has a new message. Guys, if it's new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. We have the word of God and it's sufficient. Amen? We don't need any new revelations. We don't need any new stuff. By the way, how many of you guys have got this completely mastered? Anybody? <laughs> Because if you do, you're lying and you're prideful. Can you get into that? <laughs> but the reality is we got 66 books written by 40 authors on three continents and three languages over 1,500 years with one central theme and no contradictions. That's only possible because, because God wrote it. And so we need to focus on the word of God. And so in chapter one, he talked about walking in the light in obedience confessing our sins, keeping short accounts with God. Earlier in chapter two, he taught about obeying the word of God and what it commands us to do. Now by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And then last week, if you were here, I told the message marks of truly being born again. And it's seen in how we see the world. Is our world a mess right now? What's the answer? Our world needs Jesus. We shouldn't be surprised when people who don't know God act like they don't know God. Amen. And we shouldn't be surprised when we have leaders in our world right now who are resting in their own wisdom, their own intellect, and they've turned their back on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, amen? And so in the midst of that, though, God has put us here to be salt and light. And all of you who are moving from California, we need a few of you to stay because this is the greatest mission field on the planet right now. Can I get amen to that? So it's now we see the world and relate to it, and then who do we say that Jesus is? He's not one of many ways. He's not one of many paths. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by him. He alone is God. He is the creator of all things. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He is the one who has seated at the right hand of the Father, intercessing on your behalf. He's gone away to prepare a place for you. And there's a day coming when we'll, we will be in his presence forevermore. Amen? And praise God for that. We don't serve a God whose bones you can dig up. Amen? 
We don't serve a God who is made by the hands of men out of stone or marble. We serve a risen and living Savior. So now as we get to this morning's text, grab your outline if you've got it. I tell the message, the blessings of abiding. Belief that impacts behavior. And we're going to have three points. We're going to look at just six verses. First um, John's thick. So we're first going to see the expectation of eternal life. Don't raise your hand if you don't believe it. How many of you know that you know that you know that when you die, you will go to heaven? Raise your hand. Praise the Lord. If your hand's not up, we can fix that before you leave. Amen? But the expectation of heaven should take away a lot of the fear in this life. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. And the fact that we know where we're headed, I've read the end of the book, God wins. Amen? And because we know that, it brings peace in the midst of great storms because we know the storm is temporary and that we have eternal life that awaits us and no one can take us or snatch us out of his hand. We'll see the promise of heaven, abiding in him, remaining continually attached, grafted in nearby. How do we stay close to the Lord? We stay in his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by so if you want your faith to grow, spend more time in the Bible. Read the book. Don't wait for the movie. Amen? Open it. Read it. Obey it. And the biggest problem we have in our country today is biblical illiteracy, even amongst many churchgoers. They don't read their Bible, and so they're fooled and drawn away by everything else under the sun. By the way, the culture is a mess. We don't follow the culture. We should be impacting it with the Word of God. Amen? And so the first thing we'll see is the expectation of eternal life. We don't need a new word. We just need to stay faithful to the word God has given us. We have the promise of heaven. By the way, the Holy Spirit is your down payment on heaven. It says in Ephesians 1, our riches in Christ, we've been blessed, chosen, adopted, accepted, redeemed, forgiven, enlightened, assured. And that word assured there speaks of the Holy Spirit being given to us as a down payment on heaven, as ownership papers that we belong to the Lord. So if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, it's because, and by the way, the Holy Spirit is God. Amen? Amen. So you are not God. Two undeniable facts. There is a God. You're not him. Amen? You will never be God. You won't be God of your own planet, contrary to what Joseph Smith, the false prophet, teaches. Amen? But you have God dwelling in you. And you have the best Bible teacher ever dwelling in you. The Holy Spirit can give you understanding. He convicts you, he teaches you, he walks alongside you. So number one, the blessings of abiding the expectation of eternal life. Number two, the discernment against deception. I don't know if any of you guys are into social media much. If you're not, God bless you and you're probably better to stay right where you are. Can I amen that? But I have some because, you know, I pastor a church and I'm on radio stations, so I have a lot of people to go to my site. And so I, I try to witness to people. But right now, there's this big trend of deconstructing my faith. You guys heard of this? And what it basically means is I'm walking away from the Lord. I don't believe that anymore. And here's what I would tell you. They never knew him or they would not walk away. So they were never born again. They were never saved. They don't know the Lord. And they will say things with such arrogance and uh, it's the grace of God that they're on social media and not sitting across the desk from me. Because the reality is, I might be slapping someone in Jesus' name, amen? So they blaspheme our Savior, they say horrible things, but again, we shouldn't be surprised when people who don't know God act like they don't know God, but we should be surprised when people who know God are deceived by people who don't know God. And so the way that we have that 
armor against the deception and the lie of the enemy is we need to know what the word of God says. We're going to see a theme today. Know what the Bible says. Because when you know the truth, you recognize the lie. They did an experiment in one of my uh, college classes. I'll never forget it. They drew two lines on the wall, on the thing. And what they did is they had a guy go get something. And they said, obviously, this line is shorter than this one. It was like one of those stadium classes with 150 people in it. And they said, he's going to come back, and I'm going to ask you guys which one's longer. I want all of you to raise your hand for the shorter one and see what he does. And so he, re- he pointed to the two, and it's very obvious, almost twice as long. He points to the shorter one. Who thinks this is the longer one? All 150 hands go up. This guy looks around for a second and raises his hand. And the reason he does that is he's being influenced by people around him instead of standing by what he knows to be the truth. Amen. We got people telling us two plus two is seven. We got people telling us that there are 27 genders. We got people telling us all kinds of stuff that is contrary to the word of God. And guys, we must never fall for it or buy it. And by the way, we shouldn't keep silent about it either. Amen? Now be loving, be kind, be gracious. Don't be a jerk. But in the midst of all of that, let's stand up for the truth. Well, if I say something, someone might not like me. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you for my name sake, or so they did the prophets who went before you. They persecuted Jesus. They persecuted Paul. They persecuted John the Baptist. They persecuted Elijah. They persecuted, we can go through all the prophets. So if you're being persecuted for the cause of Christ, you're in good company. Amen. Now don't be a jerk. Be kind, be loving, be gracious, stand for the truth. We're going to see how to have discernment against deception. One, you have the world's best Bible teacher living inside of you and the word of God is true. Amen. And then thirdly, the confidence of his coming or at his coming. How many of you know that Jesus is coming back? Amen? I'm good for this afternoon. How about you? And heaven is so much better than we can imagine. And by the way, I say this every once in a while. We know that that it, you know, it's a church age right now, and the end of the church age will come when that last person that the Lord is waiting for gets saved. So if that happens to be you, get saved today, and we can all have a agape feast in heaven right after the service. Can I get an amen to that? But we need to have confidence of his coming, not only so that we are not swayed or led away by false teachers, but also in anticipation of his soon return. May we abide in his word, knowing that when he comes back, I pray we'd be fine busy about his work. Amen? I pray when he comes back, he finds us, his church, not hiding somewhere, not keeping quiet, not walking in fear, not, not trying to adapt to the culture, but standing for the truth of God's word. So let's begin there, looking at the blessings of abiding, belief that impacts behavior. If you're new here, I always tell you what I'm going to tell you, then I tell you, then I'll tell you what I told you. Amen? So I just told you what I'm going to tell you, and I'll tell you, and at the end, I'll tell you what I told you. Amen? Why? We need repetition. Amen? We need repetition. It's good to be told again, again, and again. All right. The expectation of eternal life, the blessings of obedience, belief that impacts behavior. Look at verse 24, 1 John 2. Therefore, let that abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. So in light of what we just read, whenever he says, therefore, you ask, what's it there for? And you go back to the previous verses, because it's saying in light of what I just said, here's now how you should respond. So let's read verses 24 and 25. It says, who is a liar of the previous chapter, uh, earlier, 22 and 23, excuse me, who is a liar 
but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. That's a good verse for the Jehovah's Witness when he comes to your door. Amen? Amen. If you deny the Son, you don't have the Father. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father. So he's telling them, if you acknowledge the Son, you have the Father. If you deny the Son, you don't have the Father. He that denies that Jesus is the Christ is of the spirit of Antichrist. And then he says, therefore, let they that abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. Here's what you want to do. When you're confused about something, or you're having a discussion with somebody, or you read something that is confusing to you, Go back to what you know to be true. Amen? So go back to the basic, simple truth of the gospel. Now I say gospel, I assume you all know it, but it bears repeating. By the way, you can share the gospel with me a hundred times a day for the rest of my life and it'll never grow old. Amen? Here's the gospel. We're all sinners. Sin has separated us from Almighty God. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We cannot pay for our sin, so he paid for our sin in our place. Jesus is God. He died on the cross. He proved himself to be God. He rose from the dead. And the Bible tells us if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. You'll be saved. There's the gospel. It's not that difficult. We're sinners. Jesus paid the price for our sin. We can be restored to our, our, holy, and hev- our holy heavenly father only through forgiveness and our sin being wiped away. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. Amen? So there's the gospel. And he's saying, look, when someone comes and tries to confuse you, get back to the basics. This cord here is going to kill me. I've only tripped on it about 14 times while I've been standing here. I don't want to be on YouTube for the wrong reason later on. (laughs) Pastor falls for a lie. Okay. So therefore, in light of the danger of the spirit of Antichrist, the lies being promoted as truth by the false teachers, the denying of Jesus as the Christ, the one and only Savior, the only way to salvation and access to the Father, in midst of the lies, in midst of the false teachings, the attacks on the person and deity of Jesus Christ, how did John exhort them? What did he tell them to do? Get back to the basics. Get back to what you know is true. Go back to the simplicity of the gospel so you are not drawn away. He says, let them abide in you. The word abide there means to remain or to continue. It's a continual action. It's it's like hanging on tight. We see it in John 15. It talks about the God, you know, the Lord says, I am the vine and you are the branches and he that abides in me bears much fruit. So are you grafted into Jesus? And you know, here's the reality. You know what happens with vines? And I've been, I've seen them a lot. I used to live in Northern California. There's a lot of vineyards around where I used to live. You drive by them on the freeway. And what what was interesting was sometimes it's hard to see where the vine ends and the branch begins, especially when it's been grafted in for a really long time. And my prayer is for all of us that we're so grafted into Jesus that it's hard to see the difference between us and the Lord because we're so grafted into him. Amen? Now, that's not a tall task, right? But you know what? If we, the more we're grafted into him, the more we spend time with him, the more that he has a hold of us, the more we're going to become like him. Amen? And the more that we become like him, we can draw people to him. In light of all the lies that have been taught, all the false teachers, you know, there's, there's other paths, there's other ways. You just hang on to Jesus. You abide in him. 
You be grafted into him. You spend time with him. Guys, it's easy to get distracted. Amen? It's easy at the end of a long day to just flop into the recliner and turn on a game or watch Netflix or whatever. It's so easy to get distracted and not spend intimate time with the Lord. The Bible tells us that we are married to Jesus. We are the bride of Christ, amen? And a marriage won't survive if the bride ignores the groom, amen? If the bride has nothing to do with him, never talks to him, doesn't spend time with him, you're on your way to do a divorce, amen? Well, we're married to Jesus, and he never deserves a silent treatment, though your husband might sometimes, amen? But the reality is, he deserves that we have intimate fellowship with him, and it is his desire. Continually remain steadfast. Don't turn away, not even for a second. Stay grafted into the vine, the one and only true source of life and nourishment and fruit. We bear fruit if we're grafted into Jesus. What's the fruit of the Holy Spirit? It's Galatians 5.22. Tells us, the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, right? faithfulness, self-control. That whole list that's there, that is evidence that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The Bible tells us they shall know us by the love we have one for another. Very few things nauseate me more than seeing somebody who is either a pastor or a professing Christian be angry when they talk to people about God. Oh, you gotta, and they're yelling at him. I'm like, bro, that's not the fruit of the whole. I don't see anger on the list. Can I get an amen to that? We need to be loving. We need to be kind. We need to be gracious. Doesn't mean we need to be silent. And it doesn't mean we don't need to be bold. But we can speak the truth in love. Amen? Over time, hard to tell where the vine ends and the branch begins. And that's the exhortation here for all of us. That we would, in the midst of the lies, in the midst of the culture lying to us, in the midst of the world around us, getting away from the Lord, we need to hang on to him with both hands. Amen? We need to abide in his word and spend time in his presence and surround ourselves with other believers and be in fellowship and use the gifts that God has given us for his kingdom and his, and his glory. So he said, lest you abide in what you have heard from the beginning. Spiritual maturity and intimacy with God did not come by some new experience or a more culturally relevant word, but by continuing and remaining steadfast in the truth that has already been given to us. I'm going to share something with you. I've been a pastor for 34 years. Somebody asked me the other day, how many Bible studies do you think you've taught in your lifetime? It's probably around 4,000, okay? But here's the thing. I still feel like I'm three inches deep in the ocean when it comes to my understanding of the whole counsel of God. Because God's word rocks, amen? And no matter how many times you study it or read it, you continue to grow in it. We never finish, right? You're justified when you get saved, just as if you never sinned. You're being sanctified until the day you're glorified. So that sanctification process, being set apart, being made more into the image of our Savior, does not end until we get to heaven. Amen? And so God's doing a work in us, and he wants to do a work through us if we will make ourselves available to him. John started this letter with the exhortation. John 1, 1 John 1, 1 said, that, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, 
which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and what our hands have handled concerning the word of life. See, these Gnostics came along. They didn't know Jesus at all. They had never met him. They had never heard him teach. John spent three years of his life with the Lord. He was then given care over Jesus's mom, Mary. If you remember at the cross, he looked at her and said, behold your son, behold your your mother. And he cared for Jesus's mother. He was the last apostle at the cross when everybody else ran away. He's the last one going to be alive on the planet. We're going to be in Revelation soon. He wrote Rebel, the book of Revelation. So here he is. He knows Jesus. And someone who's never met him is talking garbage about him by preaching a false gospel. And the people that know him need to step up when that happens. Amen? So when people talk about my Savior and they don't know him, I am going to be quick to lovingly and graciously but boldly correct them. Amen? There's no other name under heaven by which men need to be, must be saved. Amen? We don't need to be quiet about that. And this is the exhortation you've heard from the beginning. Abides in you. And again, the word abide means to remain attached, grafted in, nearby. Again, here it goes far from head knowledge. It's not that. It's not about what we know in our head, but what we know in our heart. Stay close to the Lord by staying in the word. But it goes far beyond knowing what it says. It's just not, it's not knowing about it, but living it. You know what you call somebody who says one thing and does another? What do they call that person? A hypocrite. The word hypocrite there is a, a, a word literally means a mask wearer. And back in the you know, early days when they would do plays and dramas, uh, a lot of times you know, they didn't have multi, you know, sound like we do. And so if you were far away, what they would do to express emotion, like happiness or sadness, they'd have these big masks with smiles or frowns on them, and they would put them up in front of their face so everybody could see that their emotion had changed if they were 500 seats away in the auditorium. And so what it was is they called them a hypocrite, a mask wearer. So somebody's pretending to be something that they're not. And as believers, if we love Jesus, it ought to be evident in the way we love each other. Amen? If we believe what the word says, it should be evident in the way that we live our lives. We shouldn't, you know, guys, if Monday doesn't change, Sunday doesn't count. Amen? If what we read doesn't change the way we live, if it's not convicting us of the sin that we're involved in and give us a heart to walk away. By the way, how many people sinned this week? Okay, your hands are all up. Because we're all sinners in need of a savior. But again, grace is freedom from sin. It's not freedom to sin. We will continue to struggle with sin as long as we're on this planet. But we should be coming more and more like Jesus every single day. Must go beyond surface knowledge that is easily swayed. John's not sharing opinions of what he thought, but handed down his eyewitness testimony, having walked with, seen, heard, and handled our Savior. And all of us would say, wouldn't it have been amazing to walk with Jesus for three years? How many would have liked to have signed up for that program, okay? I would have loved that, but I want to say this, and please don't get this wrong. I think we're the most blessed of all people who've ever lived. Here's why. They got to walk with Jesus for three years, which would have been amazing, We've had the Holy Spirit since the moment we were saved, and he will never go away. So he's with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us, right? Amen? He's a down payment on heaven. Jesus ascended into heaven and gave them the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you a helper I'm going to because we need the helper. Amen? And the Lord has filled us with the Holy Spirit, and we have him always. We don't need a new word. We just need to remain faithful to the word we already have. Amen? 
John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the same was in the beginning with the word, or with God, excuse me. And John 1.14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus is the word. And people tell me, you Calvary pastors, you act like the Bible's the fourth part of the Trinity. You're so Bible guy, Bible, Bible. It's not the fourth part, it's the second part because Jesus is the word, amen? So we want to study the word of God. He is the word. We need to spend time in his word. We want to know him better. Humanity by nature is attracted to some new thing. You ever notice that? Have you watched commercials sometime? Everything's new and improved. Why didn't you improve it before? Why do you always got to wait to new and improve it? Amen. And, and they do studies where they can take the same thing, change the color of the detergent, and say it's new and improved, and sales go up 50%. Because people want something new and improved. Let me clue you in. There's nothing new or improved upon this book. There's nothing new or improved upon Jesus Christ. We don't need anything new. Hey, the Kansas City prophets are coming to downtown, Pastor. I think I can get them to your church. Well, they can come and listen. I'm all for that. No problem. <laughs> but we're not, we don't need any, any new wave of anything. Can I get an amen to that? We just need to be faithful to what we already have. Ephesians 4, it says they're tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Uh, to have deep and intimate fellowship with the Lord, we need to just know the truth. And if we know the truth, we won't fall for the lie. So again, abiding isn't a passive thing. We don't sit back and abide. I'm abiding in the Lord. Abiding is it's proactive. I'm hanging on to Jesus. I want to say this too. In Psalm 23, it says, it talks about lying down in green pastures, right? David writes this as a shepherd. And I've, I've used this analogy that I think when we're lying down in green pastures, sometimes we can forget where the shepherd is. What I mean by that is if everything's good, kids are all great, got finances in the bank, nobody's sick, got good jobs, marriage is doing well, we're just lying down in green pastures. And where's the, where's the shepherd? He's around here somewhere. I'm not really all that desperate for him right now. But you know what? When you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you hang on to the Lord with both hands. Amen? And so the exhortation, and I want to say that I know that, you know, in a clearer way now than I ever have before. Most of you know that in the last year, my mom, my son, and my brother all went to heaven. And the hardest being my son by a thousand times. But you know what? Hanging on to Jesus can give you peace, even in the midst of the greatest storm. Amen? putting your focus on him, having the promise of eternal life. It's not just reading about him, but entering into intimate and eternal and complete dependence upon him. Not just knowing about Jesus, but knowing him better than you know anyone else, having intimate fellowship with him. And that's, the, that's what abiding really means. So if we abide in him, you will also abide in the son and in the father. Look what it says there. It says there, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. See, you can't have the Holy Spirit without getting Jesus and the Father too. Praise the Lord, amen? amen? Because I walk in the Spirit, I have intimate fellowship with the Son, and I know the Father as well, amen? We are children of the Father, we're brothers with Christ and married to him as his bride, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. So we don't just have one part of the Trinity, we have the whole Trinity, Amen? And that's the verse he's explaining here is, look, there's nothing. So you have the Father, Son, and Spirit. What else do you need? 
What's this new thing that's going to come along that's better than Jesus, better than the Holy Spirit, better than knowing the the almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God? There's nothing better out there. Amen? Your flesh will never be satisfied. I don't care if they come up with the next great drug that's supposed to be just give you this, or the next, you know, the form of entertainment or riches or whatever. Bitcoin is not God. Jesus Christ is God. Can I get an amen to that? Whatever that thing is that you want to pursue, and I'm not saying you shouldn't be a a good steward of your resources, you should, but you'll find out quickly that money and things that are perishing don't matter. What matters is people, first is the Lord and then people, amen? Love God and love people. Only thing you're taking to heaven with you is people, and that's what matters. Jesus didn't come to die for a a new bedroom or swimming pool in the backyard or, or the new car that you have to have. Jesus died on the cross so people could spend eternity in heaven with him. Amen? And that's the message of Christianity. Not just reading about him, but entering into intimate, eternal, complete dependence upon him. So if we abide in his word, you'll also abide in the son and the father. And again, I love that clear correlation between abiding in God's word and abiding in him. Here's what I found to be true. People who read the word, people who are in the word, people who study the word are the people that grow. Amen. We desire the word of God more than our necessary food. I usually don't do this ahead of time. I have never done this in the entire time. 34 years I've been a pastor. I'm going to miss three Sundays in a row a few weeks from now. I'm going to spend a week in Hawaii because uh, I've been asked to speak at the pastor's conference out there. We're on the radio out there. I'm going to spend time with my brother, and I'm taking my son with me. And then when I get back, I'm taking my whole family away on a vacation uh, because it's going to be right around the time, the one-year anniversary of our son going to heaven, and we just want to have our whole family together. Now, the good thing about that is we're going to have five different guys from this church teach between Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, and I'm excited about that. How about you? Because I want to see other people using their gifts. Amen. We want to give it away. I'm, ex- I'm going to be watching. They're going to get all nervous, but I'm going to be watching on live stream. <laughs> I might be at the, on the beach in Hawaii, but I'm going to be like, let's see what it's. But you know what, guys? That's the body of Christ. Amen? I, and, I pray, and by the way, they're not substitute teachers, so it's not a day to cut class. Everybody be here. Can I get an amen to that? Be here. God's word. But God's word is the source of our faith. As we remain in it, as we have intimate fellowship with the Lord, our faith grows. Again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, people used to ask John Corson, who's somebody I admired greatly, and I admire him even more now because he, his wife was killed in a car accident. Then about 15 years later, his daughter was killed in a car accident. Then his son died of cancer. And all that stuff that he went through and his faith never wavered. And people would say to him, I want to have faith like you have faith, Pastor John. And his response was always the same. If you want to have faith like I have faith, read the Bible like I read the Bible. See, if, if you spend time in God's word, your faith will grow. If you don't spend time in the word, you're going to be a double-minded man or woman tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. It says in John 14, if a man loves me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and he will come into him and make a home in him as Jesus is the Holy Spirit at home in your life. Does he reign in your life? Do you have a relationship? We're not talking about religion. We're talking about a relationship. It's the source of our common bond of fellowship. Don't you love it when you meet other Christians? I just love it. I'll meet someone. 
I, I was sharing this the other day. I met four people at Walmart. I'm going through Walmart buying groceries because my wife's in Colorado with our grandkids. So I had a, I had a cart full of meat, okay? That's, that's the reality. A lot of steaks and hamburgers and stuff. That's just, that's what I do, okay? So rice, kill, and eat. It's in the Bible, Acts 10. I'm just being obedient to the word of God. That's right. And you don't kill broccoli, so get over it. But here's the reality is that I'm walking through and I just, I end up talking to four or five people about the Lord while I'm there. And then I meet a guy that I start talking to and I find out he's a Christian and we're standing in the frozen food aisle praying together, hugging each other as we leave, amen? Because guys, when we have Jesus in common, we got everything in common, amen? That's why every time we have church, it's a family reunion because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is a family. We've had people move away and they'll text me and say, I haven't been able to find a church where I feel so much like family as I did when I was there. And I pray that they will find one. And every church should be that way, amen? 1 John 1, 3 says, that which we have heard and seen, we declare. It's not something we, it's not something we kinda know about. It's not something someone else taught us. We know it by experience. I don't know about Jesus, I know him. There's spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, an unwavering faith, intimate fellowship with him. All of that is tied to abiding in the Lord. You can't have any of that if you're not abiding in him. If you're not hanging on to him with both hands. If you're not spending intimate time in his, in his presence. If you're not spending time in his word. When his truth lives in us, then God lives in us. Such, an in, such intimate fellowship not only comforts, strengthens, directs, and convicts us in the here and now, but it comes with the promise of eternal life. Verse 25. And this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. Yay, God. Amen? Amen? This is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. So here's what that means. We're going to be dead a lot longer than we're alive. What I mean by that is we're going to spend so much more infinite time in heaven than we spent here. I just imagine running, we're going to be in heaven running into each other like, hey, you remember when we were in the tent and it was hot? Look at look what we got now. You know what I mean? Right? <laughs> Do you remember we talked about Jesus? Now we've seen him face to face, man. Isn't that good? Amen? I want to hang out with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, man. You know, amen? I want to, I want to meet my great-grandparents that led my grandparents who then led my parents to, amen? I want, I want to spend time. I can't wait. Heaven's going to be amazing, amen? So, guys, this is not our home. We're just recruiting for people to go to heaven with us, Amen? So be, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Colossians 3, 2, one of my favorite Bible verses. When you focus on the, the eternal, you're not so bummed out about the temporal, amen? Because it's all passing away. It's all gonna burn, it's all chaff, it won't matter in heaven, amen? Don't get so wrapped up in the things of this life. Have you responded by faith to the truth of the gospel? If you've recognized your sin, been convicted by it, that your behavior has separated you from a perfect holy God, that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to restore yourself unto the Lord. You came broken and repentant, asking for forgiveness, and you've been restored into a right relationship with him. You confessed your sin. You asked him to be your savior. Now you have the promise of eternal life. And heaven is better. Amen? Acts 1.4 says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, and that promise is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is our down payment on heaven. Because you have the Holy Spirit in you means you're going to heaven. 
If you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you're not going to heaven, but you still can go to heaven. Amen? See, here's the reality. Jesus loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. And he proved it on the cross. And he desires that none should perish, no, not one. But here's something he won't do. He will not force his love upon you. He will not force you to have a relationship with him. Salvation's offered universally, it must be accepted individually. So he won't force it on you, but there's nothing he desires more than you surrender your life to him. Amen? And by the way, that's the only thing that will matter on judgment day. What have you done with God's son? The Holy Spirit is his seal of ownership. Almighty God dwelling in us. It assures us of a heavenly future. It helps us to fully understand the word of God. How many of you guys got saved later in life? You know, like, after, you know, like not when you were a kid, but like 20s, 30s, 40s. Raise your hand. Okay. Did you, if you read the Bible before you got saved, you had a hard time understanding any of it. And then you gave your life to the Lord. The Holy Spirit came inside of you. You're reading the same stuff and you're like, dude, this rocks. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who removes the scales from your eyes. He is the teacher that lives inside of you. So when you read the Bible, have you ever sat with an unbeliever and you're sharing the simplest of truth and they're going, huh? I don't know. Right? spiritually blind, just, I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't understand that. I was witnessing to a rabbi. I'm in Isaiah 53. To tell me this doesn't look like the crucifixion. He was lifted up. He was pierced. It goes right through the crucifixion. Yeah, I don't see that there. Dude, right? You get it? Right. Well, we have the Holy Spirit and they don't. It's like trying to describe purple to a blind man, right? He's never seen it. So we, but we have, Amen. Our eyes have been opened to the truth, and their eyes can be opened too. And praise God for that. We're no longer lost or alone or trying to find our, I need to find myself. No, you don't. You need to deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow him. Amen? I need to find, taking some time to find myself. Dude, you're lost. You'll never find yourself. You need to find Jesus, and then you will understand. Amen? And people say, well, I'm on my journey to find God. Uh, bro, it ain't a journey. It's Jesus. Amen? So when do we receive the promise of eternal life? Not when you die. You have it now. Amen? If you're born again, you already have it. Well, I'm going to have eternal life. No, you have eternal life. You've already been given it. It's a gift from God. No one can snatch you out of his hand. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and he does not have an eraser on that pen. Can I get an amen to that? So pray. That's only, you know, I look. You want to be picked for this? You want to be elected for that? The only thing I'm, only thing I'm worried about is being in the Lamb's book of life. Amen? That's where I want to see my name written down. How about you? And I know it's there. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? Everlasting life. Amen? And praise God. So if you know him, if you're abiding in him, you have the promise, the promise of eternal life. By the way, everybody's going to live forever. It's just a matter of where. Amen? And every believer this side of heaven should be burdened for every unbeliever this side of hell. Amen? Because how many of us deserve hell? We all do. But praise God, by his grace, we've been rescued. And there's nothing sadder than to have been rescued and not desire to see other people rescued. Amen? That should be our heart. Well, I just don't, I might offend them. You know what? If I'm about to burn alive, feel free to offend me. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> we need to recognize that people's eternity matters. And because we know the truth, may we not keep it to ourselves. The most selfish thing you can do is go to heaven by yourself. Amen? Because he lives in me, I will abide 
I know for sure that I have eternal life and I know that I'm going to heaven. So point number one, the expectation of eternal life, the promise of heaven, stay in the word. Don't be, we don't need a new word. We just need to be faithful to the word. Point number two, discernment against deception. Look what it says in verse 26. These things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and it's true, this is not a lie, just as it was taught to you, you will abide in him. If he tells you the things I've written to you is people are going to try to deceive you. The Bible tells us that Satan can appear as an angel of light, and that's how he appears most often. Rarely is he going to show up with horns in his head and a pitchfork in his hand and ask you to go to hell with him. That won't work. So what he'll do instead is he'll come up with a false doctrine that's got some Christian words in it that appears to sound like what we believe, but it adds to or takes away from the gospel, so it's not the gospel. And I know it's easy to pick on the Mormon. We love the Mormons, the Mormons, but the Mormons are preaching a false gospel. It's a doctrine of the devil. You are not going to be God of your own planet. And the God of our planet wasn't once a man on another planet who became God of our planet. And Jesus and Satan are not brothers. That is a lie from the devil. Amen. But here's what happens. Put on a nice white shirt and a little, you know, tag that says elder so-and-so. And they just look so wonderful. And you know what? We need to love them and we need to share the truth with them and we need to pray for them. Amen. But see, that's how the, the enemy appears. He appears like an angel of light so he can deceive you. I'm going to, I'm going to, they're going to use the name Jesus. Then ask him who Jesus is. We believe in Jesus. We believe in the heavenly father. We have Jesus Christ's name in our name. We're the church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints. Is Jesus God? Is he the only true God? Is he the creator of all things? Well, no. He and Satan are brothers. Not so much. Can I get an amen to that? And so we need to understand the things that have been written to us so we don't get deceived. And again, warnings that time is short. The Antichrist is coming. Minty false prophets will come. Those who went out from us did not continue with us, did not know him. While false teachers claim a deeper truth, they are nothing more than liars. Denying that Jesus Christ is indeed the Christ, the one and only Savior, the one source of access to the Father, is a false gospel. It's from the enemy. The word to deceive there means to, to in Greek, means to seduce, to lead astray, to cause to wander from safety or truth, to lead into error, to take you away from the truth and lead you into an error. I, had a, I have a gal that was in my youth group in San Jose, and she put a thing about, I, I need my cisgender people to respond. I thought my head was going to explode. Cisgender. This is a term that was used for people that were born male or female and they identify as what they were born. I said, so just say, I want a man or a woman to respond. I'm tired of the culture attacking and trying to change what the word of God says. Amen. Non-binary. Stop it already. Non-binary, non-saved, unsaved. You need Jesus. Amen. Now we want to love people. We want to preach the truth, but that's the doctrine of the devil drawing people away from the truth. And if you don't agree with them, you're transphobic. I'm not afraid of men who put on dresses. I'm just not. <laughs> we need to pray for them. Amen? It's perversion. It's wrong. Amen? Something happened to them. To me they need to have someone. Bro, let me just tell you, Jesus loves you. God created you the way that you are. By the way, God doesn't make mistakes. We do. 
And he created you in his image, amen? False teachers will try to lead you away. They'll try to deceive you. They'll, they'll change the gospel. They'll twist the Bible to support their flesh-driven way of life. There's one guy in line right now, and I, I just had to stop following him. He has like 3 million followers. And he'll say things like, well, Jesus uh, was confused about his gender. Oh, <laughs> the anger of man does not produce a righteousness of God. If anybody comes to my house and my head exploded, look, I'll probably have looked on the internet and I'm in heaven, so it's all good, amen? <laughs> but the reality is you read stuff like that, and it's just somebody trying to take my lifestyle and draw it out of the word of God and make the word of God condone it. Guys, we don't need to change the Bible to fit our lifestyle. We need to change our lifestyle to fit the Bible. Amen? Amen? And the exhortation here is to be, have discernment against deception. How do you have that? You know, here it is. Read the Bible. Spend time in God's word. Spend time in fellowship. Allow others to teach you. And as they do, and let the Holy Spirit be the greatest Bible teacher ever, never leaves you. He's always with you. Open it up and say, Holy Spirit, help me. Lord, help me understand. And read his word. And then you won't be deceived by the enemy. Amen? Deception comes to biblically illiterate people. Amen? As false teachers, they should be shunned and avoided both then and today. One of the keys to keep from being deceived is to abide in Christ and the only way you can abide in Christ is to abide in his word. And if you're abiding in Christ and you're abiding in his word, you've been anointed by the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. Amen? So you received it. He abides in you. We're born again believers. We have the Holy Spirit. He illuminates the truth. He convicts us. He teaches us and he comforts us. He convicts you when you sin. He comforts you when you're hurting. And he teaches you when you open up the word. Amen? That's the job. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And he is God. He lives in you and he will never leave you. We don't need some self-appointed expert like the Gnostics to lead us to a deeper truth. I get those letters all the time. I got one this week. A guy I never met in my life. Send me, you know, I got 85 pages I need you to read and then let me know. No, I got, if I'm going to read 85 pages, they're going to be in here. Amen. Amen. I get stuff addressed to the elders. Here's the mistake you're making. Um, I, in the tri it's, it's really good for starting fires in my fireplace, amen? We want the word of God, not the words of men. Can I get an amen to that? The Holy Spirit, here's something else the Holy Spirit does. He comforts us, he convicts us, he teaches us, but he always points us to Jesus, amen? When the Holy Spirit is working, it's always pointing to Jesus. When people say, well, I had a word from the Holy Spirit. If it's not about Jesus, you're lying, amen? Because when someone speaks in tongues, it's, done decent. it's always praising Jesus. See, when the Holy Spirit, so what does the Holy Spirit do? He points people to Jesus. What does Jesus do? What does he do? He points people to the Father. Amen? And it's amazing. So we understand the simplicity and the truth of the word when we recognize, again, who they're pointing to. Some say we can only be taught by a special anointed person. I need someone with a white collar and black, and they need to be in a box, and I have to go in and tell them, and then they can tell me what prayers I need to pray to be forgiven. Let me put, look, if that's your background, God bless you, and maybe you grew up in that, but guess what? That's a lie. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is what? Paid it all. It is finished, but you're going to need to say 75. First of all, we don't pray to Mary. We don't pray to saints. We pray to the Father in the name of the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen to that? Saints can't hear you, and if Mary could say anything, she would tell you to knock it off. Amen? 
She was used mildly by women. She doesn't redeem us. But here's the point. It's culture. Well, only that man can read the Bible. Oh, they're going to say it in Latin, and you better just figure it out from this side of the... No! It's written down. The Holy Spirit has it. You can open it, read it, and obey it. Amen? We don't need someone else to interpret. Now, we have people that are gifted, that can help us understand it, and praise God for that. I love to listen to Bible teachers when I drive around for work. You know, I have a full-time job. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is teaching. And I'm excited that we're going to have five different people teach. It'll be, it starts in three weeks. It's not, it's not next Sunday. Well, I didn't go. But you better show up. <laughs> Amen? Ephesians 4 says this. He is one who gives these gifts to church. The, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build the church. That's what, what those who are gifted by God to teach are called to do. You know what? It's cults require you to learn from them. Well, you have to be baptized in our baptismal, but you have to go through a six-week class first. And if you die while you're in the class, then you're going to hell because you can't get to heaven until we baptize you. And our, I told you this, that we had a church right behind Calvary San Jose when I was a youth pastor. And I used to park in my car to study because I just wouldn't. And this guy was literally had put a trailer on the property and was living there. And so, so one day I, I went over to the fence. I go, bro, you living on a, are you one of the pastors here, here at the church? He goes, no, no, no. I'm in this class. And it's six weeks long, and then I get to get baptized, and I'm afraid if I leave the property on my motorcycle, I could die and go to hell, so I'm going to stay here till the class is over, so I can then get baptized, so then I can know I'm going to heaven. And I said, bro, I can lead you in a prayer right now, and you'll know you're going to heaven right now. Can I get an amen to that? See, we don't add to the gospel. We don't say, there's, oh, there's other things you must do. That's denying Christ. Can I get an amen to that? See, the Holy Spirit is, that's what he does. Final point, confidence at his coming. Look at verse 28. Look what it says here. And now little children. Now little children means he's speaking. Uh, he's, it's a term of endearment. He may be speaking to those who are young in their faith, who need to be encouraged, but he's speaking to believers. Abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now, I want you to notice something. He's talking to little children, so he's talking to believers. And he's saying that some believers, while we may go to heaven, may be ashamed when he returns, even though we're going to heaven, because he's going to find us, though we've been saved, not living for him and not having a life that bears a lot of fruit. Amen? There's a term that is used that some are saved as by fire, which means they get into heaven smoking. <laughs> Just made it in. Woo! Woo! Just got in and there. And the truth is, the person who's not saved and the person who's, you know, going to get to heaven just barely. Look, guys, if you've given your life to the Lord when he returns, don't you want to find him busy about his work? Some of us, you have moments when you don't want him to come. Oh, I don't want him coming right now. This is not good. I've been backslidden for a while. I've been out of fellowship for a while. I've kind of relapsed on some stuff. I need to get my act together before he comes back. Guys, we need to live every day like he's coming tomorrow. Amen. We need to be prepared and abiding in him, knowing that he is coming very soon. Again, the word abide, there it is again. Now you know why I taught this message. It's in every verse. As we abide in him, continue to remain, endure, stand, tarry. John's burden for all believers, but especially for those that are younger in their faith, as false teachers will come along and try to draw them away. It says when he shall appear, when Jesus comes back. 
When he comes back, will you be found busy about his work? Or will you be watching Breaking Bad for the 57th time on Netflix? Will you be consumed with something? And again, I'm not saying it's wrong to watch a game or have, be entertained, that's fine. But you know what? We should be spending time with an eternal focus because we want to see people go to heaven, amen? Some people will be afraid because they never knew Jesus at all, but others will be ashamed at his coming because they knew him, but they were not living for him. Paul the Apostle speaks of those barely saved. He will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved again, yet as through fire. That's 1 Corinthians 3.15 to show you that that verse wasn't made up by me. It's in the Bible. If we abide, we can be confident at his return, ready anytime for his return. People have asked me this. A couple of my pastor friends have recently retired, and I was kind of surprised. And they're older, and I get it. And it may come a point where I can't physically do this, but I want to follow the example of Jesus above all else. But Pastor Chuck, who founded Calvary Chapel, taught on Sunday, went to heaven on Tuesday. I want to sign up for that program, amen? I want to finish strong. I don't, people say, when do you, you, you have a retirement program? I'm like, yeah, heaven, <laughs> amen? And there never comes a time where, well, I'm retired now, I'm going to contemplate my navel till Jesus comes back. No, I, I want to be about it. I want to finish. I'm not saying that these guys, these pastors, all of them are going to, they've turned their churches over to other people and they're still going to continue to do ministry. They're going to go speak at other churches, help other pastors out. They're still going to be faithful to that. But do you abide in him? Do you remain in his presence or do you just visit him every once in a while? Do you abide in him? Are you hanging out with Jesus 24-7? See the first thing you think of when you wake up and the last, thing you t the last one you talk to when you lay down to go to bed? Is he the priority and passion of your life? Do all the words that come out of your mouth flow through the Holy Spirit filter before they do? Are you look when you see people, do you see them with the eyes of our Lord? Do you love people the way that he loves them? So are you abiding in him or are you just visiting him every other Sunday or so? There's no NASCAR, I'll see Jesus on Sunday. You know, if there's nothing else going on, someone just got convicted. That's the Holy Spirit, not me. All right. Then it says in verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. See, by our fruit, they shall know us. The only way we can live a life that's holy and set apart unto him is if we walk in his spirit. Abiding makes a person look more like Jesus. John is telling them what abiding looks like. It looks like a person's life is continuing to do righteous things, not just once or twice, but it's a, a life of change. It's not just talking about Jesus, but continuing to do things like Jesus. It's not just going forward at the altar call that proves you're saved. It's whether or not you start acting like Jesus more and more. See, if you pray a prayer and your life doesn't change, it means nothing. But see, if you're truly sincere, your life will change. Amen? Your priorities will change. Your passions will change. It will all be about Jesus. So, in closing, the blessings of abiding, the expectation of eternal life, the promise of heaven, stay in the word, abide in him. We don't need a new word. Just be faithful to the word. Discernment against deception. The world's best Bible teacher dwells in you. The way that we stay, keep from being deceived by false teachers is to stay in the word. 
As born-again believers, we have the Holy Spirit, the promise of God dwelling in us. And then confidence at his coming. If we are abiding in him and in his word, not only will we not be swayed or led away by false teachers, but in anticipation of his soon return, we will be busy about his work until he gets here. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you that we can abide in you. I pray for all of us, Lord, we wouldn't be happy with saved souls and wasted lives. The Lord, we would desire to walk in the center of your will, to not just visit you from time to time, but to walk in intimate fellowship with you. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. Again, I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm just asking you to respond to the gospel. See, Jesus died on the cross for you. He's offering salvation to each and every one of us. If you've never given your life to the Lord, he will not force salvation on you. So it's offered universally, but must be accepted individually. Bible again says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. It's your desire right now to surrender your life to Jesus, to fully abide in him, to make him the, you're not just your savior, but your Lord, the Lord of your life. I just want you to make that public profession right now by just raising your hand and saying, I want to confess him before man. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Anybody else? Today's the day of salvation. Don't leave here without him. God bless you. Anybody else? The Lord loves you so much, you'd rather die than live without you. Those that raise your hands, you can pray this out loud or between you and the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning and I confess that I am a sinner. Thank you, Lord, for drawing me unto yourself. I believe that Jesus Christ is God. Lord, forgive me for my sins. Come into my life. Be my Savior and my Lord. Help me, Lord, to walk with you. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen.